Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Trying to think if I've got anything that I really can discuss that took place in the previous week that I'm not like contractually restricted uh, from talking to you guys about. Eh, I don't know. The world gave us plenty. Perhaps we should go immediately into your questions. What do you want from the Prince auction? All right, guys, I don't know if you've seen this, but apparently there's going to be an auction for a bunch of Prince's stuff. Uh, my man, Dr. Funkenberry on Twitter, he says that he doesn't really know how he feels about it. Uh, I believe he said that he was conflicted about uh, the Prince auction. And I must say, I too was conflicted about the Prince auction. But I also got to be honest. Um, I got that disposable income these days that allows me to consider spending exorbitant sums on ridiculous things like stuff from the Prince auction. So let me go back and pull up the stuff that is there at the Prince auction. Um, because I mean, some of it, like there's just some levels, like I don't, I don't really want this crazy looking jacket. Let me put this in the chat room for those of y'all who are here. Um, I don't, I don't really want like this crazy looking jacket or one of these weird old vests or nothing like that. Like, I don't know. I can't really reconcile owning those things. I'm not really going to put them in a frame and throw them up on the wall. Like there's a promotional t-shirt for my name is Prince and it's cost like $500. But the thing you got to always remember about this is not even necessarily that you buy these things for these reasons, but I feel like at the very least, these things are being printed, being presented as though they belong to Prince. And I don't think I can fit a t-shirt that belonged to Prince. Like whatever this is that I need to get, it got to be something that I can just put on the wall. So like there's a 12 inch maxi single, uh, a test pressing, a get off. They estimate it's going to be like $1,500. I might give that some thought. I might see if I can make that work. Yeah. Brother, we made it. Because I'm actually considering this. Now, there's a handwritten note uh, ordering some flowers for Lenny Kravitz. They think that's going to get $1,500. Hell no, nah, I ain't putting no money on that. There's a lot of handwritten notes. I don't really need that necessarily. I don't, I don't, I don't know. If that's the way uh, that no, no, like some of that, some of that feels uh, just a little bit uncomfortable. But it's like a travel itinerary for under the cherry moon, and it's like two hundred dollars. I can find that. Oh, they also say his, they got his, they got his canes. There's a glitter cane that's like fifteen hundred dollars, and I don't really feel like I need a cane. You could also get a tambourine from the Purple Rain tour. I think I could like. I could convince myself that that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Now, there's something here that says Prince's personally owned and worn black fur muff and strip. And no, I don't really understand what that is, but I know what it sounds like. And no, they got platinum plaques, like the platinum plaque for parade. They think it's only going to go for $500, and I'm a little confused. Like, is it actually his platinum plaque? plaque, Or y'all just make that thing up? Because, I mean, platinum, the platinum plaque for Sign of the Times for $500? Yeah, yeah, I'm here for that. I, I, I got to get that's a serious thought. I shouldn't be telling y'all this, by the way. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I don't want to say that. 
Anyway, yeah, they got the Batman platinum plaque. They got like some magazines and some pictures and stuff. And they got Prince press uh, like laminated passes. The thing about the laminated passes is they're like for concert tours, and I imagine it's cool to have laminated passes for the concert tour. I also imagine that Prince never needed no stinking pass. Like, who's the person on the Prince tour who's like, hey, Prince, stop right there. I need to see your pass. Nobody gets through here without a pass. Not even you. Yeah, show me that guy. I have a pretty strong feeling that that guy does not exist. I was a Prince signed photograph for a couple grand. I can see that. Some pretty good pictures, but I'm a little confused here. Like, are they just pictures of Prince or are they Prince's pictures? And also then had me like, so does Prince just have pictures of himself and all these different get-ups all on the walls of his house? Like, I do know something about that, but it's a little different to consider that, you know, he would be the one to actually do it. So, yeah, I'm going to give it some thought. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Give me a second, give me a second, give me a second. What was the most disturbing part of that George Lopez video? Okay, I imagine a bunch of you seen this video of George Lopez on TMZ. So basically, George Lopez told a joke. And the joke that George Lopez told was uh, the two rules in a Latin household. Uh, don't, don't marry a black person and don't park in front of my house. Now... I've had some differences of opinion with some people as to whether or not that joke was racist. I don't believe that joke was racist. And the reason I don't believe that joke is racist is we all know damn well that you know, this is how it goes, right? Like I say this all the time. It's all fun and games till you bring that white girl home, right? It's all fun and games till you bring Jerome up in the spot for Thanksgiving. Now, there's a good chance that you're going to find out a whole lot about your family under those circumstances. You know it. I know it. This is just what it is. People got all the stories about this. Like, let's not pretend as though this is not a common, understood thing. So him saying that those are the two rules of the Latin household, I'm not surprised. Like, I can laugh at that. I've grown. I understand this as a reality, okay? It doesn't bother I tell jokes about this all the time, all the time. Like I remember when Tiger Woods started dating Lindsey Vaughn and I was just like, yo, imagine what Lindsey Vaughn's daddy thinks about this. And then I looked up Lindsey Vaughn and her daddy's relationship and I was like, oh my God, imagine what Lindsey Vaughn's daddy thinks about this. Yo, that's the game, man. I mean, come on, we know this. There's no reason to lie about it. Now there's all kinds of problems with the fact that people kick it as such on these matters. But we can't pretend as though these matters do not exist. You know? It's what it is. So the joke itself, I thought I had absolutely no problem with that. Even though I acknowledge that that is a joke that is meant for Latinos to laugh at. Right? Like, there's a certain bit of... In, uh, I can understand the joke... But there's certainly some inside baseball action going on there. Like it's an experience to which I am not privy. I just got an understanding about it. You know what I mean? But I think that's the thing um, in considering what happened after that, because the woman got up 
And the woman, you know, I guess she gave him the bird or whatever and said, F you. And then George Lopez calls her a bitch. And it, it, he was just so angry. Like, I get this, that the comedian's going to bug back at you sometimes. You see that. Like, you need to tread light with the comedian every now and then, man. But there was such a vitriolic anger to it that I was taken aback. I also, like, found it interesting that apparently this woman is uh, half black and half Mexican, which then, like, given where the joke started and given how it ended, and it's like, yo, George Lopez, you uh, appear to be looking a little funny in the light. It also was pretty uncomfortable because the way he went about it and the way he was doing it, he absolutely weaponized the crowd. It was real uncomfortable how the crowd was like, like those weren't jokes. There was nothing funny that came after that, right? Like it was just anger and just like bile almost. And the crowd was loving that, loving that. So like, even if I think that she was overreacting just a bit, because again, I don't think there was anything wrong with the joke. Um, it ain't have to be that. Like I've seen comedians that have been on Twitter have been like, no, nah, it didn't have to be that. I'm like, I'm sorry. It, it did not have to be that much. What I find peculiar is how many people came to the fervent defense of George Lopez in this situation. You know, like, that's where I was like, wow, you guys are really really out here riding for George Lopez right now. Like, that's how much you guys hate women. Because, I mean, and I understand, like, and people hit me with the what about the rappers argument, which, I mean, how racist do you have to be to go to the what about the rappers argument? And even if you're a black person, I guess I put you in the same category as the racist. With why are you going to the rappers when you could just, like, go to the comedians? Like, that's how lazy it is. You can't even make the most direct comparison that there is. No, you're going all the way to something else because that's just the kind of thing that people do. You know, that's where they reach. Now, there's something to be said for the idea that George Lopez could stand up there and call a woman a bitch in that tone. And, like, we're not really bugging out about it. You know, like, I'm not really trying to get into the parallel slur game or, you know, like, get into a situation where you're like, the B word is the same thing as the N word or whatever. I'm not even I'm not even trying to do that. But, you know, call a woman a bitch to her face and see what happens. Like, there's no questioning the impact of the word, but it still gets thrown around fairly casually. Like, even in the most caustic of uses, it still gets thrown around fairly casually. Where George Lopez does that in front of that crowd, and the crowd, like, applauds. And nobody really considers that, whoa, this is just a little bit problematic. Like, I'm not saying that there's any good way to, like, refer to women as bitches, but I do believe that there are people who do that in their act. And there is kind of a, like, I'm doing this because I'm not supposed to, right. It's like a a certain air of irreverence. And I do understand the idea that it's damaging that, you know, like an expression of misogyny is irreverence, but I do think you understand what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying that part of the world is perfect, but I'm saying we understand that part of the world and how it goes. But there was none of that in George Lopez's tone, none. And you could just hear it. 
And so that's why, I mean, I was really thrown off by the people who were just on some, yeah, George Lopez, yeah, you know, y'all are so sensitive and everything else. Like, I wouldn't even necessarily be so sensitive about it. I'm just like, dog, what are you doing? And then I had people hit me on some, they're only doing this because she's a black woman. I ain't even knows a black woman when this happened. Yo, it's somebody sitting at the front row of a George Lopez show. You think I assumed that was a black person? Right? Right? Like, if you told me that something like this had happened at a Bruce Bruce show, tell me you wouldn't have been a little bit surprised if somebody would have been like, well, yeah, actually, I'm Korean. It just wouldn't have been what you expected. It's not that it isn't possible. It just wouldn't have been what you would have expected. Anyway, I didn't even know the person was black when it first came to my attention. But why would you even say that anyway? Like, you're only here because she's black. All right, let's say that I am. Now I'm here. Tell me why I'm wrong. But can't nobody do that. Therefore, they got to go to all them diversionary tactics. But, like, the stories on George Lopez are now coming out, and people are like, um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it ain't a good time to be George Lopez right now. The streets, the streets are coming. The streets are not going to be kind. Also, if I'm not mistaken, George Lopez got a kidney from his wife and then left her. Which, I mean, I understand that life's got a lot of twists and turns, um, and I don't know if it's for me to judge. Like, if you ever read the stuff about John Edwards and his wife, you realize, man, you know, life ain't always that simple. Uh, I do kind of feel like, though, once you get the kidney, like y'all might split up, but you can't leave. Like, if she wants to give you a kidney and then she decides that that's enough, you're all square. I mean, that's cool. But if you want to leave her, I mean, you guys have got to have some really, really frank conversations. And, man, I hope she feels good about it. But let me tell you what she won't feel good about. Giving you that fucking kidney. Like, why couldn't you just wait for somebody to get into a car accident like everybody else? Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. I see a question here. I know this is kind of a no-sport zone, but... You can stop right there, homie. Ain't no but. I know, comma, but. Have you or do you plan on watching I Am Not Your Negro? I actually went and saw I Am Not Your Negro this weekend. Um, And actually, it's interesting. Excuse me. Uh, Somebody been emailing me like a link to watch it for weeks, and I just never got around to it, and I didn't realize it was going to be in theaters. But it was in theater, so we would have checked it out. And I thought it was good, but man, it 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 is it is frightening um how relevant that 1960s stuff is. Yeah. Like there's really nothing about I am not your Negro that leaves you with any bit of optimism. Like, I didn't get up and walk out of there and be like, yeah, we shall overcome. It was more like, damn, again? You know, like, there's, there's something really wild about watching, you know, the thing like Meg Evans getting killed and stuff like that. Um, and we haven't had anything quite like that. 
but it is really wild to watch and see the surrounding issues and see the things that Baldwin was saying and the things that Baldwin was seeing. And then, like, you're not reaching. You're seeing the same stuff right now. So when people say that, like, right now reminds them of the 60s and stuff, I mean, I'm getting a little better idea of why they say that. But, yo, man, let us not forget, like, it was still lynching in the 60s. And I guess maybe in a way they're still doing it right now. But, yo, we can't go back to no 60s. Like, yo, that was real in the field. They stopped John Lewis out and cracked his skull. Bro, I, I don't have that in me. Do you? I mean, stop and give that some thought. Like, that should be enough for all of us to be like, yo, I think we wilding right now. Like, that's as a whoo, whoo. Yeah, man, be trying to feel good about stuff, man. It ain't that easy, man. It's a little difficult at times, man. But I be trying the hardest, man. I'm working, man. Damn. Oh, man, I keep yawning. That's not a good look. Let me see. Let me see. Saw the Eli Whitney on the timeline. What's the one black history fact you believed before you knew better? I don't know if I have one of those. I also was, like, totally unaware of the fact that y'all thought Eli Whitney was black. Apparently a whole bunch of you guys learned that Eli Whitney, uh, the inventor of the cotton gin, was black. I'm very confused as to how that happened. Like, I don't think I've gone to trace back the origins of this. But I just learned very recently that you guys thought that Eli Whitney was black. And I'm not judging you for the fact that you thought Eli Whitney was black, because obviously you really had, you know, nothing else to work with, right? I mean, somebody told you Eli Whitney was black. Okay, cool. And, I mean, if we're going to be real about it, if you a slave, figuring out an easier way to do this is probably something that you're going to do. Where I was confused about you guys thinking Eli Whitney was black was why do you think the white man would ever give a black man credit for anything that's significant? In that day and age, especially, you really think that the white folks are going to be like, no, 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 we couldn't have done it without old darky Eli. No, man. That's never going to be that, right? I mean, I am, by the way, entertaining the possibility that a black person did actually invent the cotton gin. And Eli Whitney then just came up. Honestly, I've been told that before, and I have no idea if it's actually true. But it sounds like something I could believe, right? It could happen. It could totally happen. And what's Eli Whitney going to do? Go around and tell everybody how his slave made us, made this up? That would ruin everything that they got going. Like, the whole hustle, the whole everything would be gone. They would never give up black for inventing the cotton gin. But do you think that Robert Fulton that invented the steam engine? You think he black too? Like what? Like what? What of those inventions? Like are they about to give us like actual credit for? Like real live credit? George Washington Carver he got the whole peanut, but you notice he ain't got peanut butter. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I have no idea if George Washington Carver, by the way, actually invented peanut butter. I'm just telling you, if he did invent peanut butter, they would let him have all them other peanut inventions, but peanut butter would wind up being credited to Colonel Harlan Sanders or somebody else. But yeah, somewhere along the way, you guys thought that Eli Whitney was black. And again, I can't judge you for this because it's not your fault. If somebody told you this, then you will believe it. I just don't know how in the world this got started. And by the way, by the way, if Eli Whitney had been black, you would know what Eli Eli Whitney looked like. Because Eli Whitney would be in every black history pageant. Eli Whitney, his face would be in there with these paintings that these dudes do now with, like, Obama and Farrakhan and Dr. Charles Drew and Asa Phil Randolph, right? Like, it would be, you know Eli Whitney. Like, that, that'd just be of too much importance. That'd just be way too much importance. So you got to think about these things in those terms sometimes. It helps you get to the truth a little faster. Appreciate that question. Let's see what else we got here. How do you feel about Liz Warren being silenced while quoting Coretta Scott King's? Hold on. All right, yeah. How do you feel about Liz Warren being silenced while quoting Coretta Scott King's letter rebuking session, federal judge appointment, and subsequent confirmation? Okay, so the confirmation was going to happen, right? Like, that's the thing. The confirmation was going to happen. That decision had already been made. Um, what was so patronizing was the idea that you were going to silence this adult, right? Like you're going to silence her. It's something that seems to be relevant because this was relevant in 1986. So if it was relevant in 1986, I don't really understand how it is irrelevant in 2017. I would also like to make the note, by the way, that I do feel as though, like, I'm not saying this is an exploitation of the King legacy. But there is absolutely a wielding of this is what Dr. King's wife said. Like her vantage on racism is no better necessarily than mine or anybody else's. There are all kinds of people that can come out here and say that about Jeff Sessions. But Coretta Scott King is brought up the King's wife. And that is absolutely being weaponized here, which is really a tough thing. Like when you don't want to wind up on the business end of. So, so my man McConnell is just like, no, nah, well, we're just not going to listen to that. No, no, no. Me and the fellas, we got together. We talked about it. We're going to need you to sit down and be quiet. Like, that's what they did. Just, just right there. Right? And so, that's what they got. Right? And so, I mean, it's all kinds of insulting and everything else. I think the larger issue is that the idea that even if she read the whole letter, the vote, the vote would have gone exactly the same way. So what's more disturbing, the idea that they stopped them from reading this letter, even though it wouldn't change anything, or the fact that the letter could have been read and nobody would have done a single thing different? Like, what's that mean? Because this is real, man. And this is real. I mean, we're also very quickly approaching a point where I think you need to start worrying about the possibility 
that they're going to get rid of the Martin Luther King holiday. And the reason I say that is if you have an administration that is actively undoing the progress that is associated with Martin Luther King, how long do you continue to allow a holiday to exist that will then highlight the fact that you rolled all this stuff back, which means that your image and Kings in no way can exist simultaneously at the front of the country or in a place where both would receive reference. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that. Did you? I felt like I was kind of on a roll right there. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Wow, man, we got a lot of questions. One guy wants to know the, the story of when I quit drinking. Nah, that's not that's not for here, buddy. That's not for here. Like, I ain't out here trying to have no testimonials so you can get your life right or nothing like that. Hold on, man. There's just a lot of questions, and I'm just having trouble being decisive right now. I'll do this one. Do you ever get used to being famous? Now, I would like to start by saying the same thing that I've been saying for many years, which is I am not famous. I am merely recognizable. And those are two different things. Like famous, I I know famous people. Like I have gone places with famous people. It's not the same when people come up to me, right? Maybe it's because I have a different appeal for people with people or whatever. I don't really have a great idea necessarily of that, but I can tell you there's a difference between who I am and who these like actual famous people are. Like when I'm out with a famous person, they ask me to take the picture, not to take a picture with them, but to be the one to operate the camera. All right. So famous, not quite. That being said, like Super Bowl was the other day. And people be like, yo, you going out to watch the game? No, I can't quite do that. All right. That's just not a really good idea because uh, that means all of a sudden I would be out here talking about this game with somebody and I don't really feel like doing that because for that person, like this is your chance. Like if you saw me on television and you enjoyed, you know, watching me on television, it's all snap, right? Here he is. I can talk about football with him while I watch the Super Bowl. Like, what a fantastic opportunity. And I appreciate the fact that somebody would want to spend their Super Bowl in that way. Small problem is, as a person who actually has to do it, I can't think of anything I'd want to do, like, less in this world. Like, And that's just not knowing you, right? Because I don't know who the people are, but people feel like they know me because they see me on television, right? This is just kind of what it is. So, you at least for me, it's not even even necessarily like a matter of being like comfortable with being famous. It's like, okay, cool. You're going to go out. All right. Every now and then, some people going to know who you are. Sometimes they're going to be surprised to see you in the places that you might be. But every now and then, it's going to be folks that just kind of recognize you. Overwhelmingly, people are nice. Very rarely is anybody an asshole about it when they come across me. All right. Very, very, very rarely. You know, some days you don't feel like talking to strangers, and that's fine. But most people are, like, really overwhelmingly polite and respectful of space and stuff like that. Every now and then you get somebody, but they got it twisted, right? But overall, nah. I mean, I don't know if you get used to it. It's just kind of what it is. But I also tend to be, like, off in my own world walking around. So I don't notice it half the time. The people who are with me notice it as it happens. I don't really notice. Appreciate the question. 
<sighs> Let me see. Wow, so many questions. Like, I feel like when you're hungry, you go in the refrigerator and you want to eat everything, so you don't wind up eating anything. Have any tips for people on social media sending out publicly viewable offensive comments about politics that might impact their ability to get a job in the future? Um, I guess uh, tip number one would be stop doing that. I don't even know if there's a tip number two. I would just go with tip number one and stop doing that. Now, I want to acknowledge, by the way, that I do – I'm not – I'm not really comfortable with this idea that people see something that somebody said on the internet and then they get mad and then they decide I'm going to get you fired. Right. Like, like there's a certain level of access that is just absolutely being weaponized. And it does make me uncomfortable that people kind of willy nilly make this decision. They're going to try to endanger other people's livelihoods. And, you know, and they'll say, well, that person should have thought of it before or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I believe that. At the same time, like, I do think that Target be out here firing cashiers because y'all tripping over something stupid they said on the Internet. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like, if we talk about the vice president of human resources or something like that, and they on the Internet wilding out like that, okay, cool. But very often, man, like, this is just hardworking people who, I mean, regardless of how ridiculous what it is that they said, I don't really get no joy or satisfaction. I see those people lose their jobs. Unless you're like a teacher or you claim to coach, because I have a whole lot of teachers and coaches who be saying wild stuff to me. I get real tempted to call their bosses and be like, look, man, because these cats out here with the kids, you understand what I'm saying? But anyway, yeah, if you're out here saying, you know, wild, crazy stuff on the internet, man, I think you should stop. Like, I think it's better for your long-term prospects if uh, yeah, you just stop. I mean, I wish I had more advanced advice than that. I just think you should stop. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. One second. Like I say, a whole lot of questions. Am I in the minority to think that Anderson Pox's Yes Lord album is slightly better than Malibu? I feel like if you think the Yes Lord album is better than Malibu, me and you just ain't the same kind of people. Like, Yes Lord is a mixtape, and it's an entertaining mixtape, and it has some great moments. Malibu is Malibu is just a completely different thing. It, I mean, and it's meant to be a completely different thing, right? Like, I think it is much more polished. There's much more work that went into it in time and everything else. The sound is better. Um, the ideas are more like better developed. Like, yes, Lord is a like it's kind of a cool idea. I'd be curious to see what would happen if he carried out like that kind of thought process all the way out in the album that was treated with the level of care that Malibu was treated. But yes, Lord wasn't treated with that kind of care. Appreciate the question. Let me see here. Oh man, let me find a question because I really only feel like doing one more. Is it too late to talk about Kurt Franklin threatening people in the name of Jesus? He's from Texas. I think people forget that. Did we talk about this last week when Kurt Franklin was letting people know that he'll clap him? Because, I mean, like, Kurt Franklin on the Internet clapping for Christ was a great thing to happen. And my immediate thought was what my man said right there. Y'all need to be reminded that that man is from Funky Town, Texas. 
and Funky Town, Texas, is clapping for Christ. I know some people in Fort Worth who will clap you, and they be going to church all the time. All the time. Do not try that, man. What I was surprised to see is how overt he was about the fact that he will clap you and says that he will clap you in Jesus' name. And see, that's the thing that you got to kind of watch out for, the thing that's kind of got to worry you in a sense is the fact that not only is this man willing to clap you, he is clapping you in the name of his Lord. Like, that's not quite a jihad or nothing like that, but he is going to clap you in the name of his Messiah. That is not a man you want to try because he is absolutely sure and affirmed to the fact that he will be forgiven by his maker on the other end, for he is doing this in his name. Yo, actually, yeah, you're right, Shimbo. This is, that sounds like jihad. What you going to do with that? Like, really? What you going to do with that? Try Kirk Franklin. Apparently, uh, Try Kirk Franklin is this generation's run-up on Hammer. I don't know how many of y'all know about the uh, the, the run-up on Hammer clip. Let me see if I can find that. Uh, but run up on Hammer is one of the funniest things in the history of ever. Uh, and it's outcast on some MTV like documentary show. I don't even know what it was. But they talk about people saw Hammer in them puffy pants and they thought that Hammer was all soft or whatever. They, uh-uh. Run up on Hammer. Run up on Hammer. Hammer, whoop your monkey ass. And that's real. Run up on Hammer. Did MC Search say that Hammer tried to have him clapped? Like, I'm trying to remember who they put MC Search by so that Hammer at the American Music Awards so that Hammer could not have him clapped. Kirk Franklin, apparently, like Hammer, is the man of Jesus who will clap you. Yeah, man. You never know. See, that's the thing, man. I grew up in Texas. I assume anybody might clap you. Why? Everybody hold. Everybody hold. I don't know why y'all thought Kurt Franklin was any different. They say my pastor hold. Everybody holding in Texas, man. Everybody holding in Texas. My man says, uh, Texas says, Texas sounds so wild. But it isn't that wild, right? Like, everybody has guns kind of like every country has nuclear weapons. Just so everybody know we got them, there is a certain level of equilibrium that exists. Appreciate the question. Let's see what we got here. Somebody in the chat room said, I always seem tired on the evening journals. But yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you do a live podcast for an hour after you've already worked all day. Yeah. Sometimes you're a little tired. Hey, man, I gave it a go. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. We try to do this thing here about once a week. My man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Uh, remember, if you can't check us out live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. We're at SoundCloud. Also, check us out at the Google Play Store. Hope to talk to you guys next week. Take it easy.